words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Hello. Um, when I was a little girl, the Lord told me, you'll always feel at home in the nations. And I just began to cry sitting in the front seat here because I feel at home in this nation. Thank you. Um, our very youngest child is adopted, and she has Nigerian heritage, and so I have a deep love for this land. Um, but as we began to pray for Nigeria this morning, I, I realized I believe I'm really carrying a word for this house. And I asked the Lord, what, what would you like for me to speak on? And he, he said, I want you to call them to be victorious in their land, to call them to be the ones who stand in the goodness of God in the land that they're living in. And he began to just invite me over the weeks as I prepared for this to pray for your land, to, to pray for you. And, and I feel like he's given me some keys today I want to share with you about being victorious people. Um, but first, I'll just say, I know Ogo gave me a beautiful introduction, but my name is Laurie Ann, and I am originally from Alabama. So I know that my voice sounds very different. I'm from the southernmost part of America. Um, I have six beautiful children, two of them which I brought, and yes, these girls are also called to find their homes in the nations and to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, so yeah. Um, my husband and I moved from Alabama um, about five years ago to live in Redding, California and join Bethel Church. Uh, we attended ministry school and are now both on staff, so it's, it's a real joy to be with you today, but um, I, this is just, I'll, Ogo says I can be myself here. Is that okay, guys? <laughs> so that might look like I might cry because I've yielded my life to the Lord where I can let him affect me. And when I feel him, I, I feel his tenderness, and I, I feel his tenderness in this place. What a gift. Um, so I just want to share today about being victorious people. As we, as we prayed for your land, I, just, I can just feel the Spirit of God coming with fresh hope, like an unshakable hope. And I see him establishing himself as the Almighty God in this place. This is what the Lord said. He woke me up in the middle of the night. I tried to tell him he can talk to me at 8 a.m., and he always picks 3 a.m., so it's just what we're doing. Um, but he said, these are going to be the people who live in the goodness of God, the people who live in response to an empty tomb and a finished work, the people who reveal my glory. His glory comes through sons and daughters, and I can tell him in a room of family. You can feel the way that you guys have cultivated family, but that only happens when you're seated rightly under the true Father, under the King of Kings. So I honor you in this place as sons and daughters, called to reveal his glory to your land. He gave me four points. He said, you're going to be people of the goodness, people of encounter, people who live by his voice, and people of surrender victorious people, victorious people. If you have your Bible, you can read with me. I love my Bible. This 
This is in Hebrews 6, and it says, Now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. For this is where we find his strength, his comfort. He empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time. I want to say to you that the promises over Nigeria have already been established ahead of time. And that promise is an unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. For your anchor is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. And where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone before us, he is now forever our royal priest. I think you're going to have unlikely victory and unlikely seasons in this house. And I think, I loved that you actually said, this is not a prayer of shout, this is a prayer in your heart. I feel like there's a real quiet victory that's actually resounding in heaven. I don't know if you guys feel like this is a this is a quiet thing or this is small beginnings, but I want it, I want you to know that that the prayers in your hearts are roars in heaven, because they are agreeing with what Jesus has already established, and I feel that you're a victorious people because you're anchored to the mercy seat of who He is. There's a mark of intimacy in this house, and I believe the victory is going to come by His closeness. This, my favorite psalm is Psalm 27. I'm just going to read a little bit of it to you. Because this is who you are, those who live in the goodness of God and the land that we're living in. A lot of times we pray into um, declaring what will be. And I love that. I love the declarative word. I love the prophetic word. I love... I love testimony, and I, and I love moving into the promised land. But I want to say to you that he is the God who was, the God who is, God who is to come. That he's actually doing something today of reminding us that we're not waiting for breakthrough. Our victory is his closeness. Psalm 27 when it says let's see which one I'm looking for I have so many notes in here this is this is like my Bill Johnson refers to certain psalms as his hot tub <laughs> he probably doesn't say that on camera but that's okay I'll share that secret of his but you have those places where you camp you have those places where you actually find your breath and your life and your refreshment and that's Psalm 27 for me I love in this verse when it talks about dwelling in the land, knowing the goodness of God in the land that you're living in. It's living. It's present. I-N-G. It's not the land that you will live in. It's not the land that's prophesied. It's not the land of your forefathers. It's the land that you're living in. And I remember walking through a season of just declaring and of praying and of waiting. And the Lord said, could you just note where your feet are right now, that right now, this is the land of the living. And that word land, it actually is the, the word, the root word is Eretz. And I find when God does things in tension, he's being very, he's not confused. 
He's inviting conversation. He's inviting intimacy. So most of us would assume if we're talking about the goodness of God and the land that we're living in, that land would be the promised land. That land would be the the land flowing, flowing with milk and honey. That land would be Canaan. Except that if you research what the word land means, the first definition is the promised land. It's Canaan. It's the land of milk and honey. The second definition says, in contrast to Canaan, the camp outside of the promised land, the wilderness. He actually puts that contrast in there to invite us as victorious people to find his nature, to anchor ourselves to his mercy seat so that if we're in the promised land or we're outside of the promised land, the land that we're living in is where we encounter the goodness of God. And I believe this is a promise over Nigeria, but I believe this is actually a mandate of your house that you would be those victorious people who live in the goodness of God in the land that you're living in, in this land right now, that you're actually not waiting to reveal his glory, that you're actually not waiting. So how do we do that? (laughs) I remember having this conversation with the Lord, like, yes, I love that. I can sing that song, but how do I actually do that? How do I be more rooted in your victory than what I see. How do I see your goodness in the place that I'm standing in when I'm still waiting for breakthrough, when I'm prophesying the promise, like the song that we sing? How do we actually do that? God, would you acquaint us with your victory? God, right now, I ask that you would acquaint us with your victory. I gave God permission a long time ago to interrupt me. So you'll have to excuse me if he does that. Because I can feel him wanting to acquaint us with his victory, that we would be more aware of what he's like than our own ability. I used to be really so focused on earning breakthrough, on being perfect enough so that God could move. When we adopted our daughter, we waited for years and years and years. And I, and I actually began to believe somehow that if I could be perfect enough, he would break through for me. That if I could fast, if I could pray, if I could just get it right, he would break through. And we went through years and years of getting no's. We were turned down from different countries. 26 birth mothers changed their mind after saying yes to us. And we got to birth mother 27. And he said, you remember the goodness of God in the land that you're living in, in the not yet? Could I invade your not yet? Could I actually crash in? Could you be more aware of my victory than what you see? And I was like, okay, God. And he said, let's just read 27 together. Let's just do that. Because it says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. So most most translations say, wait on the Lord. And I was doing really good at waiting on him. I postured myself, and I did everything I could to earn my breakthrough, to step right, to stand, to have clean hands and a pure heart. But I was waiting on him, and he was asking me to wait in him. You see that waiting on the Lord, that word kavah, actually means to be entwined as one. There's an entwining happening in this place, even in your prayers as you pray for your land, as you pray for families. God's going to begin to open up wombs in this church. I want to say right now that God's actually opening wombs in this church. 
He's releasing family. He's releasing promise. Where you have 12 children in your, in your congregation, you will have 24 in two years. God's going to begin to double. But he's doing this because he's actually entwining himself with your prayers. I prophesy that there's a prayer movement coming out of this house. There's a prayer movement coming out of this house. He's teaching you to be people who wait in Him. We know how to wait on Him, but we're assuming that there's a distance between us and Him if we're waiting on Him. I want to say to you that you're actually waiting in Him. That it says in here that you would be entwined as one with the Lord. It's like a rope. It's where you forget where He begins and you end. You actually begin to pray the prayers of the Father. You actually begin to pray the prayers of heaven. You become victorious people who wait in the Lord. When we read this, when we read this scripture in Hebrews about, about this unshakable hope, I can't help but think of Abraham, a man who was known for his faith, a man who had great promises over his land, over his generation, a man who waited in the Lord, a man who could go outside and try to count the stars, but his, his descendants would outnumber them. But I remember in a time of discouragement, I remember the Lord calling me. I was living in Reading at the time, and he said, walk outside with me. And I walked outside. And I, I'm like, what are we doing? Why are we outside? And he said, look up. And it was so cloudy. And he said, do you know that cloudy skies are still full of stars? Can you root yourself in my nature that if the word over your life is that your descendants will outnumber the stars, can you stand under clouds and can you declare an open heaven? Can you actually live a life where heaven is, can invade? Because... I'm inviting you to be more acquainted with my victory than even your own belief. He's inviting you today to be more acquainted with his victory. Thank you, Lord. I feel hope rising in the room. I feel hope rising in the room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I believe he's, he's marked this house to be people of encounter. At Bethel, we have a saying, we say that you owe the world an encounter because something happens when God encounters you <laughs> and he's going to begin to encounter you guys. I knew I was with my people when I walked in here and I see people on the floor. <laughs> I honor the way that you, you're stewarding encounters in this house, but I believe you're about to see a radical increase of encounters. Like Luke 8 encounters the woman who pushed through the crowd she pushed through the crowd of what everyone was saying sometimes i think the crowd i believe the crowd for you might be what people are saying over your land what people are saying over your people push through the crowd find the hem of his robe because your people who are called to encounter him so the world can encounter him through you a victorious people they know how to receive from him they know how to find his robe the hem of his garment I believe that, that signs and wonders are, are, are going to be increasing in this house because of an encounter. You can pray for a miracle or you can touch his robe. They're both beautiful, but there's something on this house where God's actually inviting you guys into victorious intimacy.
Thank you, Lord. I'm going to read you this in Mark 5 about this woman because I actually believe it's a prophetic promise over this house. She began to push through and she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I love when Jesus asks questions because he knows everything. (laughs) So I I pay special attention when he asks a question like, who touched me? Everyone was touching him. It said that she had to push through. She had to fight through. But something was different about her touch. Her touch was expectant. Her touch actually pulled from him. He says that he felt the power go out of him. And he acknowledges the difference between a touch in the crowd and a touch, an expectant touch that actually receives power. And I feel God inviting you guys to increase your belief for encounter, to increase your belief You can push through a crowd. You can find him in a crowd. You can find him through the words of other people. But if you push through and find him for yourself, you'll have a receiving touch, a touch where the power will actually leave God himself and come to you. He's not ever going to run out. (laughs) He's he just wants to fill you. I believe there's an increase of of expectation for encounter because of what God wants to do. And I love that when he says to her, who touched me? It's because he actually wants to acknowledge and honor someone who reaches out for a receiving touch, an expectant touch. He honors it so much that he has to celebrate it. But he's not just, it's not just enough in in this nature. he, He doesn't ever just heal. He always saves, heals, and delivers. It's who he is. He says, you've received your healing. That word means sozo saved, healed, delivered. It's not just for the, yeah, it's, he's the limitless God. Thank you, Lord. So he saves, heals, and delivers her, and he actually acknowledges her in a crowd, not to expose her, but to reestablish her back into her destiny of being known. She would have been a woman with the issue of the blood. She wouldn't have been allowed to be in that crowd, yet he acknowledges her. An expectant touch, an encounter with God. He's, he's looking to make a broken world whole, and it's going to start with encounters in this room. It's going to start with the living God encountering us. I've seen it in my life so many times. I was told I would not have children, except God called me to be a mother of many. And so when he opened up my womb and he gave me children, he didn't just heal me. He saved, healed, and delivered me. He actually encountered me so that I could go and mother the nations. It was, yes, to open my womb and build a beautiful family, but it was the wholehearted God making me whole so that he could make the world around me whole through me. An encounter with him Because I came like a woman and I pushed through the crowd of everything that the doctors were saying. I pushed through the crowd of unbelief. 
I stood my ground in the goodness of God in the land that I was living in and he encountered me. I pulled from the hem of his garment expectant and his power came and opened my womb. When my husband, um, we met when we were 11 and so I have loved this man before I remember not loving this man. He's the most wonderful, wonderful man. Um, and when we were 26, he almost died. He, he got a rare virus and it attacked the walls of his heart. Um, before this, he had really struggled with losing his temper and he wanted to be a kind man and he was called to be a kind man. And I cried out to the Lord to save my husband. And he said to me, your husband's heart will not be crushed because my son's already was. It says that when they pierced Jesus, when they actually stuck the spear in his side and the blood and the water flowed, it was actually because it was the crushing of his heart. And so my husband pushed through the crowd. He found the hem of his robe and he was healed. And God completely restored my husband's heart where the doctor said he would have an artificial heart. He has a supernatural heart. But I want to say to you that he didn't just save him. He saved, healed, and delivered him. And he gave him the heart of a father. He's not angry anymore. He cries. He's full of tenderness. He's full of power. But he encountered a God. And now he's making people whole around him because the God of heaven is looking to encounter his children to reveal his glory through sons and daughters and he's going to do it in this house. Thank you, Lord. Do you know that you're a miracle? You're actually an ongoing miracle because you're in relationship with a perfect God. It makes no sense. One of my students recently said, I don't know if I have faith to pray for a miracle. I don't know if I have faith to live out this victorious life because I don't know if I've ever seen a miracle. And I said, do you realize that the King of Kings lives in you? Do you realize that you are an ongoing, continuous miracle just by breathing? <laughs> Ooh, I'm looking at a room of miracles. Thank you, Lord. I love in this story where he acknowledges the woman, but he first looks to his disciples and he says, who touched me? Because I actually think that this was an ongoing thing that they did. They knew how to touch Jesus in a way that, that pulled power. They knew how to touch Jesus in a way that healed. There's disciples in this room. There's disciples in this room. I'm looking at you. <laughs> God's called you to be a woman who pushes through the crowd. He's actually called you to go out front and do that, and people will follow you. You're a woman of radical intimacy. <laughs> Bless you. Victorious people. People who know how to encounter him and receive from him. People who know how to stand in the goodness of God in the land that they're living in. This happens when his word can create new realities around us. You see, he, he encountered me, he opened my womb, he made me a mother, but he 
He established me in destiny. And now I have spiritual children all over the world, which is only because the Lord is that wild. You're going to begin to see healings in this house, but they're for the purpose of destiny. He is the healer himself, but I actually believe when I began to prophesy earlier that wombs would open, I actually believe that there's mothers being called up. There's mothers and fathers being called in this land to actually begin to speak out the truth. That there's family lines that the Lord is longing to restore, longing to redeem. There's long narratives in this land. You know, when, when Jesus resurrected and he appears to Mary and he says to her, Mary, he says her name. She encounters him, but she has a revelation of what he's like that changes the narrative. And I believe there's narratives in Nigeria that are going to be redeemed and rewritten by your encounters, by your revelations of him. You see, she goes to the disciples who are weeping, who weren't sure if he would be good on his promise. She interrupts the narrative with her revelation of what he's like. She interrupts the narrative with a resurrection hope. The narrative of Nigeria is being interrupted by the, the revelation of how you know him. Yeah, I declare over you that you are a victorious people, that you will interrupt the narratives that have been spoken over this land, that have been spoken over government, that have been spoken over structures, that have been spoken over the black people. There's actually an interruption of narrative, and it's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says to Mary, he says, go and reveal. He actually uses the word rejoice. He commands her, with your very life, be the rejoicing. I want to say to you people, be the rejoicing. Be the rejoicing that you would reveal him. You would be victorious people because you know who your God is. That your very life responds to a finished work in an empty tomb. What happens is that her revelation of this king, this man who saved her, this man who had delivered her, this man who came with his very life to qualify her to go and reveal, her revelation of him changed the narrative all around her. And his glory began to manifest. His reality manifests when you get a hold of his face. It's his truth, yes, but it's his face. I believe that his victory is attached to his nature and in his presence. When Moses was afraid and Moses said, how will I do this? And God said, I will be with you. Moses probably would have liked a better, like, he probably would have been like, what about a battle plan? What about some strategy? His presence is the strategy. I want to say to you that your prayer strategy, the prayer movement that's rising out of this house, the, the strategy is his presence. Your victory is his closeness. He actually uses that and he tells Moses, tell them I am. He's actually saying, I'm the one who will be with you. I'm the one who was with your fathers. I'm the one who will carry you into the land. But in the goodness of God, in the land that you're living in, your victory is his presence. Your victory is that he is with you. Your victory is that it's already established ahead of time. As we finish today, I just, I want to invite you to remember what God's spoken over you individually. I feel that you guys, 
God's totally interrupting what I was going to say, but it's okay. <laughs> I love praying for revival. Like at Bethel, we pray for revival. We believe for revival. But I, I hear the word, and I actually I saw it over the, the back of, of these beautiful curtains here. I saw the word renewal. And I, I hear the Lord saying right now that there's actually going to be renewal in this house. Because see, revival is taking what's dead, coming back to life. But renewal is actually a return because there is an interruption. And I believe that the false narratives over Nigeria have been an interruption. Even this pandemic has been an interruption, but a renewal is actually a call to what was already happening. It's a new work attached to the old river, the river that your pastor's standing in. It's the river of God. But I hear the Lord say that there's going to be personal renewal and then corporate renewal. So I call you to remember what has God said over you? What has He said over you individually? What has He said over you corporately? There's a renewal coming. There's actually a return, a generational blessing coming into this house because the Spirit of God is going to begin to renew. Renewal, it's a return of what was started. It's a return of what was believed for. As if there had not been an interruption, there is going to be a rushing river in this place. I'm going to just finish with this, with this story because I feel like it's actually, the strategy is his presence, but the strategy is also his voice. In John 10, um, I, I felt, as I was praying for you guys this morning, I felt like the Lord said he was silencing accusation. And I asked him, I said, how do you do that? How do you want to do that? How do I actually partner with you? Because I can pray a great prayer, but I'm actually looking to live a life where heaven can invade. I'm actually looking to co-labor and ask him what he's doing so that I can attach my hope, I can attach my faith, and I can pray like he's praying because I'm waiting in him, entwined with him. I want to catch his heart. And, what, and he, he took me to John 10, and I, and I began to read about Jesus being accused. Jesus is, is speaking. It's at the, um, let's see where this is. The Lord interrupted me, so... I lost track of my notes here. Praise God. <laughs> He's at the Feast of Dedication, and they're beginning to accuse him. He's saying, I am the Son of God. He's speaking the truth about who he is, and he's recalling to mind what God has spoken over him. And they begin to accuse him. And he does something. I remember reading this as a little girl and being so excited because I'm like, I think this will be much smaller than God is, but as a little girl, when I read the story about how they pick up the stones and he disappears, I was like, he's a superhero. He's forever my hero. And I never read past that because I thought that that was like what I was grabbing hold of, except that it actually says in John 10, 40, it says he went back to the place where John had baptized him. He's surrounded with accusation, and he actually goes back to stand in the very spot where the Father spoke over him. They were going to stone him because he said he was the Son of God. In the face of accusation, he returns to remember what God said. He stands in the very place, and I believe this is an invitation for each of you individually and also corporately. 
to return to the place where God spoke over you, to actually call to mind who has he called you to be, to stand by faith in your own Jordan River and remember because there was a moment when God called you. There was a moment that he spoke and promises over you. There's prophetic words. There's dreams in your heart. But Jesus does this to model for us how we respond to accusation. How we live a victorious lifestyle is that we return to love. We return to put our lives in posture under a father. Because it says in here, this is the very spot where it says the heavens were ripped open and the voice of the father came and said this is my son in whom I am well pleased some of you have been under the voice of accusation you've been discouraged and I want to say it's as easy as returning to remember what he said to stand in your own Jordan River moments and remember that the veil has been torn when the heavens tore over Jesus that day in the water it actually says that when he died on the cross and it was finished, the veil was permanently torn. And I want to say to you, if you're living under cloudy skies full of stars, the heavens have been ripped open. You are a victorious people. He's calling us to return and remember what he's spoken. And I believe over your house that you are a people of surrender. People like Moses who don't have all the strategies, but your strategy is his presence. You show up and you say, I am, because God is. And God's just, we would say in America, being cheeky because your pastor is Moses. I want to say to you, you are victorious people. I'm so encouraged being with you today. Honestly, I, I feel at home here. And I'm so encouraged for your land, for you guys finding the goodness of God in this very land, in the places where you stand. I'm excited for the babies that are coming, for the healings that are coming. This prayer movement, you're going to be anchored in presence and anchored in his voice in a radical way. This room will soon be too small because you have a humble man who would trade a castle for a slingshot. <laughs> and you have a God who's longing to encounter you. I, um, as I close, I, I feel the Lord just saying, I, I, <laughs> I love that I have my children here. I feel like I'm supposed to just, at the end, just pray for you and talk to you like a mother. I know that I'm not from your land but we have the same Father. And I just actually want to, I'm going to ditch the rest of what I was going to do. I want to just pray a mother's blessing over you. Is that okay? Because I, I feel like there's something about you returning to remember what God said over you as people, over you individually, to actually embrace this promise of renewal. But what happens when, when the clouds were parted, when the Father spoke, the Holy Spirit, it comes and He rests on spoken identity. And I feel that God's been speaking identity today, that you are a victorious people. You are a people of His presence, people of encounter, people who know how to push through the crowd and find His robe. 
So I want to bless you, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is actually going to come rest on you today in a new way. Yeah, would you guys just open your hands? That's my favorite way to pray. It reminds me that my job is just to receive. God, I just, I pray a mother's blessing over them. I bless you from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. I bless you to be full to overflowing that the King of Glory would come, that the doors of your hearts would actually fling wide and the King of Glory would come through. God, we ask for the King of Glory to come through this house and I bless them. I bless you with the friendship, wholeness, and healing of Jesus. I bless you with the comfort, nurturing, teaching, and power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you with the identity, protection, and provision of the Father that you would know who you are and whose you are all the days of your life. I bless you to stand, to become aware that your feet are in the land of the living. Right now, I release a revelation of the goodness of God into every cells of your body where there's healing that is needed in this room. I speak the healing revelation of Jesus Christ that the bodies, that the cells in your bodies would begin to respond to an empty tomb and a finished work. I speak to wombs and I say, open up. Fling wide, you ancient doors. Open up, open up. Yay. I speak to minds where creativity has been locked up and I say, open up, open up. You are a Psalm 24 people that the ancient doors would fling wide, that the King of glory would enter in, would enter into creativity, would enter into the marketplace. I speak to the economy in your land and I say, fling wide. listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.